Have you ever sat down and thought that you were supposed to start a podcast? Have you ever wondered how you're going to do that and how that will work? Anchor.fm is the link where this podcast is recorded. It is so helpful, so easy to do. Now, come on, people. If I can do it, y'all can do it. I'm telling you what. So (laughs) go to anchor.fm, start your podcast, and follow what God is calling you to do. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. Hey guys, welcome to season seven of the Anchored by the Sword podcast. Seven seasons. Wow. Just so grateful every day for what God continues to do through this podcast by bringing amazing guests who are willing to share their stories for each and every one of you who continually show up once to twice a week to listen to these episodes and for sharing them with your people, and most of all to God for just opening doors that I never thought would be opened. I'm grateful each and every day, and so excited for you to hear the story of the person on the episode today. So, let's do this. Enjoy. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Anchor by the Sword podcast. I am here today with a new friend, Erica Wiggenhorn. Uh, She has a Bible study out and several other books, which we'll talk about uh, towards the end. But I am so excited to finally meet her and to bring this conversation to you. So Erica, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Gina. Can you tell my listeners about yourself? Sure. Uh, I am a Jesus follower, first and foremost. Um, I'm a wife, a mom of two teenagers, so you know how to pray for me. (laughs) We also have two dogs and a horse, and we live in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, the joy of my life is getting your face in the book, meaning the Bible, and encouraging you to live like it's true. Yeah. Um, I love that. And we were talking offline. You didn't, I didn't realize you were in Arizona. So Ohio heat is probably nothing compared to Arizona heat. Well, it's 111 here today, you know, July. (laughs) Oh goodness. (laughs) Like you get used to the cold and snow. We get used to the heat. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I've been out here my entire life and I still can't get used to this, some of the snow and ice. So, (laughs) but I guess you'll have that. Right. So, (laughs) so can you tell us a little bit about your story? Yes. So my story, Gina, uh, I didn't come to know the Lord until later in my life. I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. So I didn't grow up with veggie tales or the (laughs) 
flannel boards or any of those things. And I remember right after I came to Saving Faith, our youth pastor, I was in high school, our youth pastor gave me my first Bible mm -hmm. and had all of Jesus's words in it in red. And he said, Erica, if you're going to follow Jesus, you need to read this book every day and you need to pray and get to know God more intimately. Mm -hmm. And so I remember going home and sitting on my bed and opening that Bible up and reading Jesus's red words. And he talked about things that were completely foreign to me, mm -hmm. uh, a wheat share, a plowshare, a mustard seed. Uh, the eye is the lamp of the body. Uh, he said all of these things that I did not understand at all. Um, mm -hmm. And I remember sitting on my bed and saying to him, how am I supposed to follow you when I can't even understand you? Yeah. I had understood everything that my youth pastor had explained to me. But when it came to opening my Bible and trying to understand Jesus by myself, I felt entirely lost. I felt like I was walking into a movie theater in the middle of the movie and trying to figure out what was going on. I was uh -huh. just lost. And so I began really a quest after many years of guilt, of feeling guilty and cycling between guilt and shame, guilt that I didn't read my Bible more and shame that I couldn't understand it and that I didn't like to read it um, because what Christian really wants to admit that they don't like to read the Bible. That doesn't, that doesn't sound good, right? <laughs> Even though there are thousands and thousands of us out there that do mm -hmm. feel that way, we don't feel like we should feel that way. And so we feel ashamed about it. Mm -hmm. and so uh, I finally decided I needed to. Yeah, I love that because we have a tendency to should ourselves a lot. And when it comes to especially like reading the Bible and praying every day, it's like if we don't do that, then we do feel that guilt and that shame because we feel like that we should do that. Like it's right. just sometimes too much pressure to put on ourselves. Um, you know, we, we do need to push through and we do need to read, but you know, take the guilt and shame away from it. Absolutely. And that's what I loved about studying Ezekiel. Honestly, Gina was because that was exactly where God's people were at. It mm -hmm. was like, had, they had come up with this checklist of all of the shoulds that they should do, right? Mm -hmm. And it was like, if we do all of these things, then God will love us. God will mm -hmm. show us his favor. He'll shower us with his blessings, but we've got to check all these boxes and we've got to do all these things. And the message of Ezekiel to his people, which is the same message to you and I today is God, God doesn't want our religious rituals and he mm -hmm. doesn't performance. He just wants our heart. He wants our, our attention. He wants to be invited in to our day-to-day -day lives. And so it's, it brings so much freedom because mm -hmm. it's not a list of shoulds and should nots. It's an invitation to intimacy with him. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, a friend who calls you up and says, Hey, 
Kina, I really miss you. We haven't spent time together lately. Can we grab coffee or go to lunch? Um, something like I want to catch up with you. I want to know what's going on in your life. Uh, that's really the message of the book of Ezekiel is people. I miss you. I want to spend time with you. Where are you? Uh, mm -hmm. let, let, let's let's go to lunch. Let's grab coffee. I want to know what's going on in your life. Let me in. Mm -hmm. um, it's such a beautiful reminder of God's love for us. It really is. And so far, like I told you offline, I'm doing the study. And as I've been doing it, I mean, I don't think I've, or I know I've never read the book of Ezekiel in this manner. Like my husband and I have read through the Bible together a couple of times. Um, but, and I've read through it, you know, I became a Christian when I was a teenager as well. So I read through it then, but it never hit me the way it's hitting me this time. And, you know, your book is called an unexpected revival. So I don't know about you, but I've been hearing nonstop this year, the word revival everywhere. Yes. You, you feel the same way? How do you see it coming this I year? <laughs> yeah, great question. And you know what? I, I see it a little differently than maybe we think about revival in a traditional sense, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I was a teenager and, and I first stepped into this whole, you know, Christian world. Mm -hmm. Revival was what Billy Graham did in a huge, <laughs> huge tent, right? And like mm -hmm. thousands of people, you know, coming forward. And mm -hmm. um, I don't think God's going to send revival like that this time, Gina. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to look differently. I think revival looks like uh, the woman standing at her kitchen sink with her little kids, you know, pulling on her leg and she's tired and she's weary and she feels invisible and life feels really mundane mm -hmm. and crying out and saying, you know, Lord, help me, Lord, help me in, in this call to motherhood when it feels so wearying and God brings revival to her heart. I think it looks like the student on the college campus who's studying and looking at the future and has a lot of doubt about maybe their faith or how God could even uh, use them in his work. And they're crying out, God, use me. Uh, maybe it's the man in the cubicle at work, the father, and he is struggling over and over with that same uh, sin, that same habit that he just can't seem to shake. And mm -hmm. he wants to do better. He wants to be better. And he just doesn't know how. And he's crying out and he's saying, God, change me. I think revival is going to come to individual hearts, mm -hmm. um, just like the fire fell in Acts 2, right? In Pentecost, mm -hmm. it was the flaming tongues fell on each individual head. I think revival is going to come to each individual heart as we cry out to our father and we say, help me, use me, change me. Um, I want to be yours. I want to be closer to you. Mm -hmm. And I think revival is going to come this time. I love that. And, you know, I've been feeling it um, where I'm at in my life. Um, I personally am 43. I just turned 43. And, like, revival in my heart is just moving in what God wants. And I feel like people are turning their heads and turning their hearts that way. You know, I see it in the lives of the people around me. I see it in the lives of people 
you know, some people online and just, I see him moving. I see him moving in my family and it's just a lip, one step at a time. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people don't tend to want to think about is that it's not always 60 steps ahead. It's like, just do the next thing. Because when you're faithful with the next thing and when you're focusing on that, then the other things will come as long as you keep going one step at a time, one movement at a time, one thought, one prayer, one reading at a time. Absolutely. Um, I would, my daughter, she just graduated from high school and mm-hmm. she senior quote and her senior quote was, uh, there is no failure. You either succeed or you learn. Mm-hmm. I loved that. And I asked her about it and I said, explain, you know, I'm like, Eliana, I love that. Explain that to me. And she was, she said, well, it's kind of like when I'm riding my horse Mm -hmm. and she's a, she's a jumper. So she take, you know, she's this tiny little thing, but she takes this 1500 pound horse and she sails over these four foot fences Mm -hmm. and said, it's kind of like mom, when, when I'm approaching a fence, the pacing has to be right mm-hmm. because if I go too fast, then the stride is too short. Mm-hmm. And if I go slow, the stride is too long. And, and then when I approach the fence, I'm just not going to be in the right spot. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like our Christian life, right? When we go, when we try to go too fast, we lose our balance, our striding gets off. Um, there's a rhythm, there's a pace Mm -hmm. to our relationship with God and the rhythm and the pace, the stride is going to affect the approach. Mm -hmm. But if I'm too aggressive with my horse, he'll just bulk and he'll Mm -hmm. freak, you know, right before we get to that fence. Mm -hmm. And if I'm too He'll, he'll jump too late because he'll be unsure and we'll just go crashing into that fence. And I think, I think it's the same way in our relationship with God. It's like, we can be too aggressive sometimes in demanding Mm -hmm. that God do things our way, like fix this right now, God, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, have revival. It's got to look just like this, right. Mm -hmm. Or be too timid and we don't feel like we can ask God for the big dreams in our heart or the mm-hmm. deep cries of our soul. We feel like we're selfish to ask God for those things. Or maybe, um, you know, it sounds like we're complaining um, if we ask God for some of these things in, inside mm-hmm. of us. And I think God is just saying, you know what, just, just focus on the pacing. Like you're saying, just take the next step. Just keep seeking me, keep coming to me. Mm-hmm. And what I love about an unexpected revival in the book of Ezekiel is his people were filled with so much doubt. Mm-hmm. God wasn't doing what they expected him to do. And I think all of us, you know, you're 43, I'm a couple years older than you. <laughs> we live on this earth long enough. We realize God's not going to do the things we expect him to do. Right. Do he doesn't his ways are not our ways, right? Mm-hmm. As scripture. And we will come to places in life where we are filled with disappointment and we're filled with doubt. But what I love about an unexpected revival in the book of Ezekiel is we see that 
God didn't shame his people for their doubt. The doubt was the doorway for them to seek him even more diligently. And God's desire in the midst of that doubt was to continue to reveal himself to his people more and more and more. And so instead of feeling ashamed and guilty about our doubt, see that as a doorway, see that as an invitation to approach God, to Mm -hmm. pick up the pace a little bit and be a little, go a little faster, a little more intentional in seeking our father in his word for what he say to us rather than it being an obstacle that prevents us from seeing him. Mm-hmm. That is so good. Doubt as a doorway. Oh, that, that'll definitely preach to somebody <laughs> because we all have doubts. We're human. We all have moments where we doubt anything and everything. That's right. But God's not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of it. He's not afraid of anything you can throw at him. Like he created you. He knows you better than you know yourself. So just don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to come at him and don't be afraid to ask the hard questions and don't be afraid to bear your soul. He already knows it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I love that so, so much. So you kind of, you have a series going on here. Like when I was looking at your um, book titles, I, I love how you have kind of this unexplainable and a couple other type of ones of that nature in the names of your titles. So what kind of brought all those on all those different title names? Yeah, so my first, uh, my first three titles all have un- unexplainable. So the mm-hmm. first cover the book of Acts, an unexplainable life, and the unexplainable church. Mm-hmm. The book of Acts was written by Luke, uh, so we rounded out that series with Luke's gospel, where we went uh, and dove into unexplainable Jesus, rediscovering the God you thought you knew. But the title for an unexplainable life, which is really when we dive into the book of Acts, it's really all about the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Spirit is mentioned uh, 42 times in the book of Acts alone and is not even mentioned 42 times throughout the entire Old Testament before that. So a lot of the first mentions of the Holy Spirit are mentioned in the book of Acts Mm -hmm. and unexplainable was really born from, I I read a book by Francis Chan Mm -hmm. and he had a quote in there and he said, that is the kind of life I believe Jesus longs to give all of us who have put our faith and trust in him for uh, our salvation. And so that's where unexplainable came from. Uh, Unexpected revival came from this whole idea that the people in that Ezekiel was prophesying to, they expected God to do certain things in order to revive their nation. Mm-hmm. They expected uh, economic prosperity. They expected their government to look and behave a certain way. They expected uh, religious fervor 
to overtake the nation. They had very definite ideas of where revival would come from. It was going to come out of Jerusalem. And that Mm -hmm. was the only place it was going to come. Um, And God did something completely different. Mm -hmm. Uh, Took his people out of their own country. He destroyed the religious epicenter. And he started revival in a place and in a way that nobody thought he would, <laughs> nobody thought he could, mm-hmm. um, you know, they had put God inside this box of how he needed to behave and how he needed to operate. And God basically said to his people, the second you put me inside that box, you have instantly made me too small. Mm-hmm. Um, I do the unexpected. I am going to do beyond what you could think, ask, or imagine. And that is exactly what he did. And that's really the whole promise of the book of Ezekiel. And so I called it an unexpected revival because I think when God is brings revival to us, we in our mind kind of do the same thing. We think it's mm-hmm. going to be, you know, this eloquent preacher and this rock worship band and these big flashing lights and it's going to be this massive gathering and I I don't think that's what it's going to be I think it's going to be God meeting intimately with each individual human heart as they seek him and he's going to transform their heart in the process and oftentimes if we're honest with ourselves Gina when we are pursuing God and desiring to experience relationship with him, most of the time it is in moments of disappointment. It is in moments of doubt. It's in difficult seasons that we press into him most readily. And I think revival is going to come when people are full of disappointment. They're full of grief. They're full of sadness. They're full of anxiety. They're full of doubt. They're full of questions. And they're turning to God in that moment and they're crying out to God and asking him to meet them there. Mm -hmm. And in his faithfulness, he shows up and he touches their heart and they, and they realize maybe for the first time, uh, what it looks like to have a deep encounter with God. And they're filled with fresh awe and wonder and their Mm -hmm. life becomes explainable as a result of it. Definitely. And then when he revives their heart, then it's instinct for people to want to share it. And then that's how it continues. That's right. That's Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Um, The other book you did, um, Letting God Be Enough. Um, I don't know about anybody else, but some of us do have a tendency to be uh, strivers at heart, even if we get apathetic sometimes. But tend to be on to strive and do all of the things. And let's talk about how you, in your book, talk about letting God be enough. Yeah. So letting God be enough. Um, it's, uh, why striving keeps us stuck and how surrender sets us free. And that book really centers on the life of Moses. And the thing that I away from that is exactly what you said, Gina. Um, When we are in a place of striving, we have a tendency to just be in these frenetic cycles where we are trying to perform, we are trying to manipulate, we're trying to control, uh, we're trying to secure outcomes for all of these things. Mm -hmm. And in 
process, we end up one, wearing ourselves out and two, mm -hmm. uh, destroying relationships a lot of times because we just cannot let things be. Mm -hmm. um, we have to have them our way and change them. Uh, or we move to the exact opposite spectrum and we become apathetic or we just simply give up. And so I love the fact that God called Moses. He said Moses was faithful mm -hmm. in all house. And faithfulness basically means uh, not striving and forgetting that God is not in the equation uh, and not giving up and losing faith and losing heart, but just faithful. Mm -hmm. and yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for taking me um, through the journey of your, your story and through your writings and all of the things. I just have a couple more questions for you. Yeah. Um, number one, when you've had times of doubt, when you've had times where you feel like things are just coming and you're just trying to keep your head above water, what verses have kept you anchored? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, one verse that has really kept me anchored is I go back to uh, Psalm 40. I just mm -hmm. love 40. Uh, you know, David talks about being in the miry clay and slipping down into the pit and God rescuing him and setting his feet upon a rock and putting a new song in his mouth, a hymn of praise uh, to, to his God. And he goes on and he says, uh, you know, I will tell of your righteousness in the great assembly. I won't forget your deeds. And I have clung to that over and over that in those moments when I feel like I'm slipping down into that miry pit, I, I remember what God has done in my life. I, I speak it out and I tell it back to him in faith, just saying, God, you have been so faithful to me. You have preserved my marriage. You have provided for me financially. You have um, carried us through infertility. You've carried us through adoption. You've carried us through health crises. You've carried us through exhausting seasons of caregiving for my parents. And I, I tell God his righteousness and his faithfulness back to him. And it's not because God needs to hear it. It's mm -hmm. because I remember it. And so I think looking back on those things and, and saying them back to God and sharing those stories with other people mm -hmm. um, becomes so faith building, especially in moments where you're waiting on God to show up, going back and remembering and reciting all the times that God already has shown up really just refreshes my soul and puts my current pain in perspective and my hope re-anchored as your podcast so beautifully reminds us in the one who is ever faithful. Yeah. I love that verse so much. I, I had a song playing in my head as soon as you said that verse. <laughs> and anybody who's been around the church long enough knows that song <laughs> from back in the day, back in the nineties. Yeah. Um, he's so faithful. And um, thank you for sharing a little bit more about your story and about more the ways that he has been faithful because it's true. Our stories are faith building for others. And, um, you know, he doesn't want us to go through all the stuff that we go through, but it, when we go through it, he's going to take it and use it not only to help 
ourselves help us to heal and to, you know, be able to feel like we can share more, but also to help other people. And it's a beautiful thing. It really is. That's right. So thank you again so, so much for coming on the podcast today. And where can people find you? Uh, yeah, well, you can find me on Instagram. I hang out there just about every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, also on Facebook, uh, Erica Wiggenhorn, author. Uh, you can find me there. And uh, you can also find me on my website where you can find out more information about all the books that we talked about today mm-hmm. and also gain a lot of free resources. So maybe, you know, maybe somebody out there was listening today and they're thinking, you know what, I just don't have that kind of close relationship with God, or I would like to be more faithful in my Bible reading. I would just encourage you head on over to my website. It's just my name, ericawiggenhorn.com. There's a ton of free resources on there for you to just download and and yours for the taking, Uh, or you can check out some of those Bible studies and, uh, I'll, I'll be your accountability partner and give you a Bible reading plan there. And uh, we'll go through the word of God together each day. So I'd be honored to take that journey with anyone listening. Definitely. I will put links to all of that in the notes and you guys, I'll talk to you next week. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. I pray that you are leaving not only inspired and encouraged, but also challenged through the story of the person who was on. If you enjoyed today's podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Leave a five-star review and rating so that other people can find this podcast. Share it with your friends, share it with your family, and let's continue to share the true freedom that God brings. I love each and every one of you. God bless. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.